1: and happy monday welcome to fantasy sports today it is time for us to be back here live on the show great to see everyone out there craig mish along with joe pizapia we got you for the next two hours talking all fantasy sports baseball baseball football basketball and everything else and of course we have a lot to get to here on today's show baseball will be back this week so we're going to have all of it covered for you in addition to doing our fantasy sports birthdays and of course this day in fantasy sports so without further ado let's bring in Joe Pizzapia, my co-host, as always, here on the show today. Joe, happy Monday. Great to be live back with you here on the show. What's going on?
2: Live from New Jersey, it's Fantasy Sports Today. Can you believe it? We made it here. Many, many months, Craig Mish. Lots of birthdays. Lots of discussion about what happened. But today, today, my friend, what is going to happen in the future and actually present and not just the past. So I'm very excited about that. We are inching closer and closer. Season And this is another step through and from the new time here, noon Eastern. Welcome. Uh, if you haven't been watching, where have you been? But here we go, Craig. We are live and back, and it feels pretty good, my brother.
1: Yeah, it is. And I think that for a lot of you who have been watching the show for the last four months, that you have to understand, uh, look, I mean, everyone has been an interesting predicament. Here on Sports Grid. we've kept you updated. We've kept you updated on fantasy. We've kept you updated on gambling. But the bottom line is, of the four sports... Baseball is the one that's getting back this week of the four major sports. And so we're going to cover all of that for you. And I know a lot of you are having fantasy drafts, redoing fantasy drafts, making fantasy pickups. We're going to have all of that as well. So let's get right started right now. And let's take a look at the headlines from the weekend. And as we move toward Monday, here are the fantasy sports headlines. Uh, Let's start off with the Toronto Blue Jays who cannot play the 2020 season in Toronto. It is still up in the air as to where they may play, but the bottom line is they're looking for a Major League Baseball stadium to play in, with potentially Pittsburgh being an option. So we'll touch on that. Freddie Freeman has returned to the Atlanta Braves. This is important because it shows you that some players will be able to return after testing positive for COVID. Freddie Freeman is back. Archie Bradley named the closer of the Arizona Diamondbacks. I think that Joe and I have agreed. We think the Diamondbacks could potentially be an improved team in 2020. Bradley is going to get the first crack at closing. And uh, Charlie Morton named opening day starter for the Tampa Bay Rays. I don't think that there was a lot of debate here, considering that Blake Snell is working his way back from an injury. There was some thought process that Snell could be the opening day starter. And then uh, last night, I don't know if you caught this, Joe, but in the preseason, Lewis Robert continues to mash his own pitching and continues to mash Chicago Cubs pitching. And then last night, Cody Bellinger hit a grand slam. And Bellinger is tinkering a little bit with a new swing, and he showed it off yesterday. I mean, it could have been the Diamondbacks pitcher, honestly. He basically walked the bases loaded and walked guys after that. But uh, bottom line is that Bellinger is off to a good start. So a lot to unpack as we start off the show today. But let's start off with the Toronto Blue Jays. Who is uh, who, are, who are basically going to have to play somewhere else this season. And by the way, we want to welcome our radio audience in as well. This is Fantasy Sports Today.
2: Yeah, a lot to unpack there, a lot going on, which is great. Uh, but obviously, uh, it makes sense with the Toronto situation in terms of the border going back and forth. It seems like something unnecessary in a 60-game season to have to deal with. So why not? Just kind of, kind of clip it now. You don't want people crossing back and forth, and you know the different countries and the different rules and laws. It all makes sense. I don't think it's shocking to see that all come down. Uh, I'll tell you what, though, Louis Robert is definitely a guy that we were uh, very high on, and I want to welcome everybody here to fantasy sports today, who's just joining us on the radio side. And I can tell you right now, here on Sports Grid, Louis Robert is a guy that we talked about on Sunday on Diamond Bets. Craig Mish has just mentioned what a great start he has had already do this preseason number two and just like fernando last year this was another guy that had time straight but also big time power i don't think he'd be you know uh, one of these people that scared off about robert it's the same kind of dude here this guy's gonna produce regardless yeah the strikeouts are gonna be there but patisse had an even bigger strikeout rate in minor league baseball last year look, look how good he was so let's not get here of afraid of you know, the wait and see kind of aspect to him, I am not. I am all in, Craig. And great news about Freddie Freeman too. A little surprising, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, I would say so. But again, this is why we know nothing about the virus as far as it pertains to players coming back and playing, which is important for those of you who are playing fantasy this year to make sure that you have better options on the bench because you're going to need them all season long. There is a thought process that we will also need this in the NFL in 2020. But the question becomes at this point, when is training camp going to begin? How many preseason games are there going to be? And will there be football in 2020? Take a look at some of the tweets from yesterday around the NFL. You had Drew Brees, Todd Gurley, and several players around the league essentially saying that they're not going to get back onto the field until they know that there is correct protocol in order for their training camp and in order for their season to begin. And this is some pretty uh, high-profile players saying these sort of things. And apparently it was all worked out at an NFLPA conference. Uh, One of the members of the Miami Dolphins, Byron Jones, suggested they put out some solidarity in terms of getting this done. Joe, we'll talk about this throughout the show and a little bit later in the show as well. Where's the NFL been the last three months? (laughs) Not getting this ready. I mean, they have all this Uh, time to get prepared. I mean, we're a week away from training camp. This shouldn't
2: be happening. No, it shouldn't. I think the NFL has been waiting and watching uh, probably to see what's right right in circumstances. But I will say this, they will get it eventually. And it's important that the players are on board as well together showing solidarity because they're the ones who are on the front lines, right? So keep that. But the NFL will get it straight. I've been sitting on the sidelines, no pun intended, watching to see what's going going wrong for other organizations here, the NBA and the MLB.
1: All right, we will be back before fantasy sports today. Fantasy sports birthdays straight ahead. Don't go away. All right, welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig, Miss, Joe, Pizza Pia. Happy Monday to you, everyone. Hope you had a good weekend. By the way, Craig and Joe back live right here on Sports Grid. We're here every day now from noon to 2 p.m. Eastern, and all of our great programming shows over the last four months. We've been working our way back for you to be live. It is baseball week. It is opening day coming up on Thursday night. We'll have a full preview of the games on Thursday and Friday. Coming up a little bit later in the show, Joe and I are going to go through two teams and two win totals in Major League Baseball. The Arizona Diamondbacks and the Minnesota Twins will hear from a couple of players on those rosters as well as to what we could potentially be thinking, always giving you a little bit of an edge as it pertains to wagering here on SportsGrid. But without further ado, it is the 20th of July in 2020. I didn't know that we would ever get here, but here we are. And Joe, we're going to run through this day in fantasy sports history and the birthdays in fantasy sports for today.
2: Yeah, look, I can't believe we're here and we're live, but I'm excited to do it. And it's always fun to learn about what did happen. And I always like to look back at history. I'm a big history nerd myself, so this is always a good time.
1: All right, so let's run through it, folks. And we're going to start off with the history of sports. And we start off back in 1965. Mel Stottlemyre Sr., in one of the feats that I don't think will ever get accomplished ever again in Major League Baseball, Joe, he hits an inside-the-park grand slam for a pitcher circumstances unknown circumstances bizarre but with the major league baseball essentially going to universal dh probably this never happens again and how in the world can a pitcher ever hit an inside the park grand slam can't happen Uh, i i don't know i mean this is one of the more bizarre
2: ones we've ever done here but you're right i think this is it you're never going to see this happen again, that the DH is here to stay. I'm sorry, everybody. I know you purists out there still want the DH and the National League Baseball. Have you watched National League pitchers hit in the last five years? And don't give me the one guy. Don't give me Bumgarner. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, DeGrom's okay, too. That's two guys, okay? I am done watching pitchers hit. But, yeah, this is a strange strange moment right here and one that's going to live in infamy. I can't believe even with the official score, there was no errors or something else involved here. This is very bizarre but very cool and a record that probably will stand the test of time now that pitchers will probably no longer be picking up the lumber going forward.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, I probably could have ran around the bases faster than Mel Stottlemyre Sr. No offense, Mel. Rest in peace. No offense. Mel Jr., he could beat me in a race <laughs> I'd like race to see right that. Now. I see him at the ballpark all the time. He could beat me. But Mel Sr., I could be. All right, 1976. Oh, yeah. Let's move on. It is time to talk about Hank Aaron's final home run. Home run number 755 was on this date. And, of course, the uh, greatest home run hitter of all time, and this was the last uh, home run for him, in 2011 – you see the uh, picture there of Yao Ming ends up retiring, had all kinds of feet problems, foot problems for Yao Ming. He could have played a long time in the NBA as a big man. Those big men stay around forever, but Yao just had these injuries and he had to stop. Uh, Joe, I'll never forget when uh, Yao Ming made his first trip uh, to South Florida, and in advance, I asked the Rockets, could I get an interview with Yao Ming beforehand? They're like, well, he doesn't talk. You know, he has a translator. I'm like, ah, t- yeah, totally cool. And so I ended up doing this 10-minute interview with Yao Ming, and basically it was like the whole thing was just showing how tall he was and how short I was. That was pretty much the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, there was a disparity there. You and I have spent some quality time in person together, and you and I are more at eye level, so I imagine I, too, would be looking up at Yao Ming. But he was a he was a phenomenon at the time. He was one of these incredibly you hot was, stories, man. too. He was a good player, also, and uh, a part of the internationalization of basketball, which, you know, you can always date back to that dream team. And if you go and watch that uh, Last Dance documentary and you talk about the dream team and you see all the stories there, that was really when basketball, I feel like, took off as a global game. And uh, as you look in the subsequent years, you see China, you see Spain, you see all these other countries who have grown into huge leagues here. And Yao Ming was definitely one of the most important national superstars. And you're right, it was unfortunate that injuries kind of would change in a very NBA career and a longer one at that. But he did have a little window there where he was useful.
1: Yeah. Now, can you guess the song that I played throughout the whole entire interview with Yao Ming?
2: Uh, you can call me I'll Al, give you a hint. I'll word.
1: give you a hint. Hold on. The word "big" is in the is in the song.
2: Uh, hmm. The word "big" is in the song. I don't know. Big girls don't cry. I don't know what is it.
1: Big girls don't cry. That's your guess. That's,
2: I don't know. I have no idea. What you, where, where are you big going? Big time, Peter Gabriel. Remember that song? Okay. Uh that's a classic. That's a cl- more of a shock. The monkey fan, but yeah, sure, whatever, man.
1: I, I understand. Next time I ask you for a guess, you can you can also say I have no idea, as opposed to saying "Big girls don't cry."
2: <laughs> no, nah, but no moment and we made people laugh and that's
1: what this is all about okay. a little information a little laughter a little joy I feel like I'm in a baseball stadium in 2020 I hear nothing that's all right, all all right. right. In in 2014 Rory McIlroy ends up winning the uh, British Open Rory McIlroy one of the top uh, players of course on the PGA Tour and that uh, covers us for this day in fantasy sports history for the july the 20th now uh, for our birthdays today here's what we have joe we have an eclectic group i would say a group of a potential hall of famer in the future maybe two one of the best defensive players in the nba who is still waiting for his first three-pointer and one of the great college quarterbacks of all time that unfortunately didn't make it to the pros or didn't really play a lot in the pros. And also an NBA Hall of Famer as well. we got a good group today.
2: Yes, the eclectic we have come today. Uh, let's wish them all a very happy, happy birthday.
1: All right, so here we go. 1938, Tony Oliva, former uh, member of the Minnesota Twins, former Rookie of the Year. I believe Tony Oliva is going to get into the uh, National Baseball Hall of Fame next year. He was very close in the last vote. So I believe that he will be in. Uh, 1971, Charles Johnson, former Gold Glove catcher, 1997 World Series winning catcher with the Florida Marlins. 1974, speaking of Gold Gloves and World Series, Benji Molina, another catcher back-to-back. 1975 NBA Hall of Famer, or uh, I should say Naismith Basketball Hall of Famer, Ray Allen. 1984, in terms of college, I got to tell you, when Troy Smith was on for Ohio State, he was impossible to beat, didn't have a great NFL career, but certainly had his way in college. He was born in 1984. 1996, we have Ben Simmons, who will get to watch on an NBA court in Orlando coming up in a, well, about uh, less than two weeks. And then 1988, Steven Strasburg, one of the World Series Hall of Fame heroes for the Washington Nationals. So that's who we got on our birthdays today, Joe. Feel free to t- take one and <laughs> chew on it.
2: <laughs> All right, I will. Let's chew on Steven Strasburg. Who just signed a huge contract, and uh, deservedly so. I mean, he finally lived up to the expectations. It's taken a long time since that debut. debut. I don't know if I've ever seen a league debut, maybe Dwight Gooden of a pitcher, who just sort of, sort of captured of in time and how electric it was and how exciting it was and yet I would say overall than joy when it came to Steven Strasburg over the last few years now luckily last year everything together better late than never and he certainly cashed in on it the question is Craig Mish, what can we look for going forward when we're thinking about Steven Strasburg now because at a certain point he is going to have to take the reins of this rotation after Max Scherzer has moved on. And can he do that? And can he be the 200-inning guy that he teased last year? Or is it going to be more incomplete seasons in the future? And that is the big question. Are you somebody that makes an investment in Steven Strasburg and some keeper leagues? Because you think, Michael, this is the three-year prime. This is the window here. Is best. And maybe in the last you know, five years leading up to it, we were paying for potential into
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think that both Strasburg and and Max Scherzer are more or less on the same timeline when I look at both pitchers and then I add Corbin to that who's a little bit younger than them both. I mean, you're only talking about an age difference of a couple of years. So uh, from a health perspective, I think that Scherzer is the one that you certainly can count on, and I would count on him for the next five years. But even still, uh, I, I think Strasburg has a chance now that he showed what a full season and a full postseason looks like that there is the chance that the Nationals could still, I think, basically get back to where they were last year. They got the best starting staff, best top three going into the 60-game season. So it would be my expectation that you basically can count on both, Joe. I mean, I don't, I don't see why not.
2: Yeah, uh, look, this is a great list here today. And I also want to highlight a guy who doesn't get a lot of credit, which is uh, Charles Johnson. Like, that's another guy that, you know, a bigger catcher, too. You know, sometimes you don't see catchers quite as big of a human being as Charles Johnson was. Uh, Pretty decent with the bat as well. Very good defensive catcher. Part of that Marlins World Series team, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, But that's another guy kind of, you know, that it's always fun to go back and look at these names.
1: All right, we'll have more of that when we come back after this quick sports grid update. Don't go away. Stay on the grid. Craig and Joe, back after this.
3: grid get on the grid you all suck sports rage with gabe berenzi the virus is beatable but the problem is we don't
2: take it seriously we half-ass it and now it's gonna get prolonged and drawn out forever the sports grid network
3: The NFL and the NFLPA have ongoing negotiations on exactly what the preseason will look like, if anything at all. NFL Network's Tom Pelosauer reporting on Monday morning that the league's latest proposal to the NFLPA includes just one preseason game. According to his sources and other reports, the NFLPA has looked for zero games in the preseason with a longer acclimation period. In other NFL news, NFL players took to Twitter on Sunday in a coordinated effort to urge the NFL to listen to its experts' guidelines on safely opening training camps amid the pandemic. Many of the players used the hashtag, wewanttoplay, to to accompany their tweets. The idea for the tweets, according to ESPN's Dan Graziano, came from Miami Dolphins quarterback Byron Jones, who suggested the idea on one of the players' internal planning calls. Jones' idea, the sources said, was to get the message out to the public that the players do want to play, but they want to stay as safe as possible. And with the NFL leaving it up to individual teams and or local municipalities, as to how to guide Fan attendance at the games. Las Vegas Raiders owner Mark Davis is leaning toward not having any fans in attendance. In baseball, it may only be a night of exhibition games, but we are moving somewhat closer to major sports being back in our lives. It's a full slate of games on Monday night. The Nationals take on the Orioles, the Royals, and Astros will square off, and the Giants and A's will play out on the West Coast, among other games happening. Some scores from exhibition games on Sunday. The Yankees use five home runs to beat the Mets 6 to nothing at Yankee Stadium. Luke Voigt, Carlos Stanton went deep. Aaron Judge hit two of those homers as well. Surely a good sign as the slugger has been struggling to get healthy so far this year. The Orioles beat the Phillies 4-1 as well. Pitcher Julio Tarrant said Sunday that his delay in reporting to Los Angeles Angels summer camp was because he did in fact test positive for the coronavirus. The right-hander said he began to have symptoms two days before the start of camp. He was later tested. The result did come back positive. He made his comments on a Zoom call with reporters on Sunday. Terrence said his wife and son also tested positive but were asymptomatic. Xander Bogarts was removed from Sunday's intrascrawling game at Fenway Park due to a tight hamstring. We'll wait for word on whether or not that's going to be a lingering issue this year for Bogarts. In the NBA, Thomas Bryant is a full go for the Washington Wizards for the season's restart in Orlando. He had tested positive for COVID-19 a couple weeks back. I'm Dan Strafford, and this has been your Sports Grid News Update.
1: All right. Welcome back. Fantasy sports today. Thanks a lot, Dan, for the update. We'll hear from Dan again coming up next hour is Craig and Joe Pizapia back with you here on fantasy sports today, right here on sports grid. All right. So the last few months, Joe and I have had a lot of conversation about different topics when we used to record this show, you know, like for the last four months. Uh, So now that we are back live here on the show, you would think that some of the topics would change and that we would pivot to things that are happening right now while we're live. Well, guess what? Not really so much. We talked about sports cards for the last four months and went through all of these graded cards and everything else. And then wouldn't you know, over the weekend, we probably had the biggest sports card sold that we've seen In our lifetimes, and I don't know that we'll ever see this again. I mean, I thought the Mark McGuire ball, Joe, when he hit 70 and that went for a million dollars, I thought that would be the biggest piece of sports memorabilia sold of all time. But LeBron James is showing that he is transcending everything else because the amount of money that his auto card uh, on an upper deck card sold for, I don't think anything's ever coming close to this again. And there's a big part of this story, too, that we'll get to as well.
2: Yeah, well, I want to hear the story behind this because I can tell you right now, this is insane. The number on this, I can't even begin to wrap my mind around. And look, the McGuire home run ball, something like that—that that I understand, that I get. It's a piece of history. It's a moment in time. I totally understand that. But for a card, for an autograph card, you got to tell me the story because I can't wrap my mind around this one.
1: All right, so it's uh, it's an upper here it is. So it's it's an upper deck exquisite card. Uh, signed by LeBron James and uh, and and the card is basically one of 23. So there's only 23 of these made. and again, it, it had to get graded out. so it looks like Beckett graded this and I believe it says nine point five on there. So uh, that is part of it. Why specifically this one, Joe? I can't really answer. But I can tell you this, maybe the one thing that came out of this that was even more interesting than the card being sold, because a lot of people are looking at cards like investment now, as opposed to investing. They're investing in cards, and they're going up. Um, but but on Instagram, this card was posted, and LeBron went on Instagram and said, hey, like look at that. I actually have a few of these cards. And that got people talking about it, because... There's actually some people in the card industry, Joe, who are saying that it almost can't be true because if there were 23 of them made, how is it possible that LeBron owns a few (laughs) of these cards? Which would mean that he owns $6 million worth of his own basketball card. Now, I think personally, when these things are being produced, that they probably are going to give the player one of them. But to give LeBron four or five uh, and there's only 23 in existence it's gonna because of that comment there's gonna be a deeper dive into this i can tell you for sure
2: well what's gonna happen then is all of a sudden it's less special is that where we're at like mean, all of a sudden like now it's not uh nearly the the thing it should be because there's more of them is that the concern i don't know man i've it, been through it, this i was it, a big sports yeah. card collector myself and i know you were also once back in the day and we all saw the crash, and then everything went down. And and I'm just – I'm watching these numbers, and I'm seeing the stuff that we've done the last few months here on the show, and this is just absurd, I feel like. So I, I don't understand how we can get a car – like $1,000, a couple thousand dollars, wherever that is, that's fair. But $1.8 million, Craig – that is a ridiculous amount of money for one single item of anything. I don't care what it is. It's a lot for a house, I feel like. I don't know. But, I mean, so so what's going to happen now is more information about some of these cards come out? Do all of a sudden – does the value all of a sudden drop for the $1.8 million that the person just got this for?
1: Look, I, I had no idea that there was a card that was worth $18,000, let, let alone $1.8 million. I, I think the bottom line that has to be asked is this, is if, if indeed LeBron does have several – Of these cards the question has to be asked are there more than 23 and if there are more than 23 it would bring this price down and by the way if there were more than 23 then the auction house that sold this card probably would have to give some money back because they're selling it as a one out of 23 card you're right and there maybe there was 27 maybe there were 30 maybe there were 40 but i don't think we've heard the last of this especially because of the price tag but, uh, look, the one thing that I can tell you is that LeBron anything right now is, uh, is approaching Jordan levels. That is for sure. Um, on the golf course yesterday, uh, Phil Mickelson tried something that was just super unusual. Now, look, I don't claim to be a great golfer, but I know the difference between putting and chipping. And Phil Mickelson, Joe, yesterday tried a putt from 78 yards out to try and make it in the tournament yesterday. Now, of course, he didn't come close. And even, of course, afterwards, he said this was a big mistake. Like, I don't know what I was thinking. I thought that I had a shot, but I really didn't have a shot. I mean, I, I mean, it was, it was basically baffling to see. Now, I, I take my son to take golf lessons all the time. And I think that my 8-year-old son knows better than to try a 78-yard putt. That's just me, though.
2: Yeah, well, I consider myself an average golfer at best, but uh, I'll say this. It's nice to see that someone who's extraordinarily gifted like Phil Mickelson is still apt to once in a while let the golf course and the golf moment get the best of him. Because we all have had that. We've all had that crazy moment where we look into the bag and we say, yeah, I can hit this here or I can do this. I can make this work. And Phil Mickelson might be right most of the time. However, it's nice to see that the crazy doesn't just stop with us average golfers, but it could also go all the way to guys like Phil Mickelson, maybe even Tiger Woods, too, and some of the other great golfers we have, the McElroys of the world. But to me, that's what this moment's all about. It's it's that moment of when the course, where the game gets it the better of you for that one mental moment. And uh, look, we all know if he had made the shot, it would have been one of these things that ran
1: forever. I mean, you can't be wrong on that one, right? Yeah, no, I, I think it would be. And look, I've seen this movie before. It was called Happy Gilmore, and it didn't go yes. well for Happy after he hit it several times, and he kept you know dunking it. Um, look, Phil has already accomplished more on the golf course than than anybody, You know, basically top 10 guy in history, I would say. Uh, but the reality of what he attempted was just something that you or I on a regular golf course wouldn't even think of only because we would know we have no shot. And he had no shot at this yesterday. So the whole thing was just uh, a bizarre scene at the very best for me. But look, uh, it's great to have golf back. It was great to see Tiger out there a little bit this weekend, too. And, um, and certainly as we go along with baseball coming back and basketball and hockey, I'm hoping that golf still gets some uh, solid attention because they were one of the first to get back uh, on sports. Uh, all right, Joe, so tonight we have uh, uh, Major League Baseball exhibition games. And I, we, I know we've had a couple over the last few days. I've been watching a lot of them. There's been three or four each night. Tonight we have ten exhibition games in Major League Baseball. And essentially what you're seeing tonight on Monday night are all the pitchers that are going to be throwing this weekend. So these are the number three starters, number two starters, number four starters that are pitching tonight and tomorrow night that will move into the weekend. And I wanted to take a look at one of the games tonight and get your thoughts on it, and I'll give you mine as well. One of the games that we're highlighting here on Sports Grid today is 9-10 Eastern. We have the Los Angeles Angels taking on the San Diego Padres. Now, the Angels will throw Griffin Canning who struck out 96 batters in 90 innings last year and seems to be right in the thick of the middle of that angels rotation for the Padres. We have Garrett Richards, who we haven't seen in a long time. Remember Garrett Richards used to pitch for the angels. He missed last season. And these are two guys, Joe, that are are somewhat interesting for me in fantasy because canning at this stage, with based on everything that's happened with the Angels' rotation, and again, Andrew Heaney is somewhat questionable for the opener, Canning could work his way into the number two or maybe even the number one starter on the Angels. I think there's a shot of that. And I've always been infatuated with Garrett Richards. He's never been able to stay healthy, but when he has, he's always very good. Is there any chance of Garrett Richards making 10 starts in this short season?
2: Uh, sure, I think there's a chance of it a better chance of making 10 than over 30 over a full season, I think that's something to definitely think about and understand, I think there's a much better shot of that Garrett Richards is one of these guys that I think when you look back at the career, you've seen some moments there where this guy looks like a frontline starter and if the Padres are going to make some noise, and we all think they can, it's going to be with the pitching carrying them I think as the season goes on here and yeah, the first half of that lineup's pretty good, you got Machado, you got Tatis, you got a lot of nice hitters there at the front, Tommy Fams great addition but really you look at the pitching and there's a lot of unknown I think Chris Paddock is going to be an ace he might be an ace right now but the rest of this pitching there's a lot of questions can Lamette be solid enough can he be more efficient can Richards be healthy enough because I don't think it's a matter of talent with Richards it's always a matter of health with him more than anything else and just getting back to the feel of pitching having missed an entire season and Griffin Canning's another one of these guys where it matters so much for the Angels we talk about the A's being I think one of the the class of that division (laughs) along with with obviously the Astros, and it's because the pitching is the separator here. You know, the Angels have incredibly high-end talent. Guys like Trout, guys like Rendon, we'll see what Otani becomes this year. But the problem is the pitching. Where do we go? It's it, it, When Heaney is your number one, that's putting a lot of pressure on him and the rest of this rotation. This rotation does not have a true ace in it. So if it doesn't, it has to have a bunch of guys like Julio Teheran. You know, like Andrew Heaney, and even maybe Griffin Canning becomes one of these guys too. That's going to put them at least in a quality star place. A guy who's going to go out there, give you six innings, give up three runs maybe, but give you a chance to win ball games. That I think is the only way the Angels can really compete with those other two teams ahead of them. Craig,
1: is it embarrassing that I watched four uh, exhibition games yesterday?
2: Uh, no, well, I mean, slightly embarrassing, but you know, I, I watched one and a half. So I, I'm right there with you. I think it's more just us trying to get a feel for what it's going to look like. And, and what was your big takeaway?
1: I, look, I, I think it's perfectly fine. And <laughs> <Me> look, <too. laughs> they, they, they play noise. And when they play the noise, it's, it's a little bit bizarre. Because then you see the fans that are not there. And then it makes you wonder if this is going to be normal for the entire season. But, I mean, I, I really... Think that they can do this Uh, virus aside. I I think that these games can be played. Now I have no idea what is going to happen now that all these players are interacting with each other and they're around and the same thing goes for the NBA, but at least in the very short sample that I've seen in the last two days. And then for, if you're a baseball nut, you got 10 games on TV tonight. You're going to get your, your full fill of, uh, of exhibition games in baseball. Before we really get to the good stuff, which is coming up on Thursday night. All right, we'll take a quick time out here on Sports Grid when we come back. Can defense win fantasy championships? Gotta stay tuned for that. Don't go away. Hey, welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Vist, Joe Pizapia, live here on Sports Grid with you until 2 o'clock on the East Coast. Don't forget, Scott Farrell coming up a little bit later, going coast to coast. Make sure you catch his show. We got in game live here on Sports Grid every single night coming for you when baseball is back Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And Joe, uh, with in game live and our ability to break down a lot of these games from a, a sports betting perspective, there's a pretty good chance. That from July 23rd of this year all the way through July of next year, we're going to have sports live again. So one full year with no break. That is a that is crazy thing. Can we can we just get to Thursday?
2: I, I can't wrap my mind around that yet. Let's get to Thursday and then a whole year straight through. Sounds great. I will buy in. I'm with you 100%. Take me on the trail with you. I want to walk. I want to walk hand in hand to having sports every single day. Let's just get to Thursday. And then after that, I think we'll have a nice big sigh of relief and be able to move forward.
1: I hope so. Uh, You know, I did, by the way, before we get to uh, the fantasy uh, defense here, which we're going to talk about, help people out uh, if they still have a draft or anything around that nature. We we talked last week on the show how I found my old League of Alternative Baseball reality team. Mm -hmm. And I posted it last night on Twitter. Just as a quick note, I did make a move, my first ah, move in over a year. Yeah, and Are you interested what was the move? Okay, uh, I picked up Kyle Crick of the Pirates uh, for seventeen dollars. And so now, uh, with with this guy Kella on the injured list, I have Crick to get all of those glorious Pittsburgh Pirates saves. There's going to be so many of them, I wanted to make sure I had them.
2: <laughs> Look, all six and a half or maybe seven of those saves, whatever you want to put the number at, I don't know. But it's we, we talked about it. Look, the Pirates are not going to you know lose every single game. They're just going to lose most of them. But the ones they win are going to be close. So there will be some save opportunities. Look, I mean, there's guys every year who save 30, 28 saves, uh, obviously on bad teams. So that happens. Happens, but I think that's a pretty good value. There's $17. That makes sense. I mean, look, at this point, when you have $100 worth of free agent budget, why wouldn't you be aggressive with? There's only 60 games. You might as well go out there and I give agree. it a, at least a try. What's the point?
1: And, the, and there were a lot of other pickups that were made, and I'm going to go through some of those tomorrow on the show to give you guys an idea maybe for a draft who uh, wasn't drafted maybe the first time around that should have been drafted this time around. We'll touch on that on tomorrow's show. Uh, all right, so let's take a look at some of the best defenses in baseball last year and, uh, and, and see kind of how it translates over to starting pitchers in fantasy. And Joe, uh, in terms of this, what we're doing is looking at the defensive rating of the top five defenses in baseball as per fan graphs. And we're showing the athletics defensive rating was 42.9. The Cardinals was 39.8. That's actually surprising to me. I guess Wong's a gold glover. Maybe it shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Uh, Indians are at 38.9. The Phillies are at 36.1. And then the Diamondbacks, who are super into defense and advanced metrics and moving guys around, they're at 31. And so before we get into the individual players here, Joe, uh, let's touch a little bit on how you think that this defense could potentially help different players this year.
2: Well, look, there's some pitchers that miss a ton of bats and there's other pitchers that need a little help from their friends. And I think it's always important to kind of dig a little deeper and think outside the box when you're trying to find an edge in fantasy sports. And whenever you're doing that, you have to think about uh, different Pieces of the actual game that can actually have a positive impact on your fantasy game and same thing goes with football when you're talking about offensive lines and how that potentially works out for quarterbacks how it works out for running backs and all that in between. We've done that on the show too, but I think the defense does matter when it comes to looking at some of the better pitching staffs potentially or at least some guys that might be able to be helped out by uh, an above-average defensive team here, and let's start with the A's, because last year you look at some of the guys in the A's, we look at that run that Sean Manaya had at the end of the year, look how good Frankie Montas was, Mike Fiers is a guy that obviously is very inconsistent, yet he was pretty usable for the most part last year. Uh, it's all about that defensive rating, and they are a very good overall defensive team, and Sean Manaya, I think, is one of these guys that can really benefit from that. I don't think he is quite the power pitcher of a Montas or a Lazardo or a puck, but I think that this is a guy that certainly has good location. This is a guy that showed you, I think, over uh, his five starts last year that he can have dominant runs. Now, he's not going to sustain some of these incredible numbers he had last year where he was undefeated with a 1-2 ERA, but this is a guy that I think people forget about because he did miss most of the season. This is a guy that I think people forget about because you know he doesn't have quite the same pedigree as some of the other guys who are in that same rotation with him. But who's to say at the end of the day that Mania doesn't have potentially the best fantasy season of all of them. And I think when you're trying to weigh the player, the talent and all of that together with the potential of, can the team support him? They can support him offensively, but they can support him defensively as well. And that certainly helps with a guy who isn't necessarily going to have a 10 K per
1: nine rate. Right. And, and I think that as we take a look at some of these pitchers that could potentially be helped. And you start off with Mania, Manaya uh, last year, as you mentioned in 2019, Uh, was 4-0 with a 1.21 earn run average and a .78 whip. And he's not somebody that usually misses a lot of bats, Joe, and so he's going to need that defense in order to have that success.
2: Exactly. And look, I, the defense right there on the left side of the infield, too, with Chapman, uh, with Simeon, I think is pretty good. Um, you know, you look at the outfield defense with uh, Luriano. I mean, that's one of the best guys you could possibly have. Ramon Loriaño last year really took a huge step forward with his def- with his offense. But he is a terrific defensive player, too. So the A's are really, I think, in a good spot here. And if you have any concerns about some of these young pitchers, you have to think in games. What happens is there are these moments that that go on where. A One big defensive play can turn around an entire game, can turn around an inning for a young pitcher, and I think the A's are capable of doing that. Now, another guy on this list, we go to the next team here, which was the St. Louis Cardinals, and you were surprised by this, but let's not forget that Yadier Molina also part of the Cardinals defense. Let's also not forget that Tommy Edmond played a lot uh, more in the infield last year than people had originally anticipated and that all kind of ended up compiling into this rating and I'm talking about another pitcher who doesn't miss a ton of bats a guy like Miles Mikolas who you look he is again not going to win any strikeout crowds. We know that. But can he win you games? in roto and I think the answer is yes can he be a guy that pitches and is efficient get into the sixth inning maybe even the seventh inning I think the answer is potentially yes in this season too and maybe have less concerns over you know a 60 game season as opposed to a 162 game season but this is another guy where everybody's talking about Jack Flaherty and they should when a lot of people are wondering well why was Dakota Hudson so good last year when all these secondary numbers all say he shouldn't have been well guess what if you go back and look Maybe the defense was part of that reasoning, and maybe the defense is also a reason why Miles Mikolas can be another one of these guys who can be a contributor to your fantasy team, even though he's not going to light up the radar gun.
1: Yeah, and look, uh, Mikolas was hurt in the early part of the first spring training, and by all accounts, he's ready to go here in summer camp 2.0. Probably won't be at the top of the Cardinals rotation, but he did tell me in spring training a couple of years ago how important getting wins was to him, and that, uh, simply put, you know, guys who pitch deep into the game win, and that is a skill. So uh, I was really encouraged to hear that from him for sure. All right, now, uh, Joe, the Cleveland Indians. All right, now, here is a team that their defense has obviously been a contributor to their starters, but which mm-hmm. one of those starters would you say maybe I would say that has a better shot of succeeding as a result of that defense? Maybe the pitcher on their rotation that misses the least amount of bats.
2: Yeah, well, look, here's the thing. Clevenger and Bieber, obviously, I think are in that upper tier of pitcher. Uh, And Carrasco... Was up until recently. We all know it was a very difficult year last year. Personal health issues there with cancer. I mean, what an incredibly difficult year it was for Carrasco. Very inspiring for his team, though, and it really showed the camaraderie there. But I don't know what Carlos Carrasco has left in the tank this year. So I think if he is going to be successful, you're going to look at the strikeout rate is better than some of the other guys we just discussed. However, I think that something that can really be aided and help Carlos Carrasco is relying on that defense a little bit. You see, the ERA ballooned last year, but I. I think you take last year, kind of like the Kluber season, and you kind of crumple it up, you throw it away. I think when you look at Carlos Carrasco, you can't imagine him being necessarily the same dominant guy he was a few years ago, but maybe just maybe he can be good enough and the defense helps him out where he can become maybe a fourth or third starter on your fantasy rotation. I think that's a good spot for him because there's upside for a number one or at least number one type starts that come out of Carrasco. So to me, I think the defense is pivotal for his success and he's in a good spot because this is a really good uh, defensive team that can help him out if he struggles or if if he has a little bit of an issue with feel coming back and things like that, or, or even confidence issues. There's so many layers here to Carlos Carrasco's 2019 that we're all rooting for him in 2020, but we have to be realistic. But being realistic also means looking at not just the pitcher, but the team around him, And I think this is a team that's going to hit. It's also a team that's going to field. And I think when they do, that is a big bonus and takes a lot of pressure off Carlos Carrasco mentally. So are you somebody who's willing to take Carrasco as a third starter in, let's say, your regular old 12-team mixed league? Or would you prefer him as a four?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I'd be okay with him as a three. It just sort of depends on how deep the league is. And I also would have a nice handcuff in place uh, if I did take him just to make sure that He's not, if, if he is my SP2, I just don't think that I've done a good job. And I want to make sure that I handcuff him with another pitcher. I think that's probably the way that I would go about it. Uh, in yeah. terms of the Philadelphia Phillies, look, this defense is going to look very different, Joe. Mm-hmm. The infield defense, especially, you know, Gene Segura is moving. Um, you know, Michael Franco is not there anymore. Scott Kingery is going to play the infield. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know that you can look at their defense from last year and think that it could be exactly the same. But supposedly they think their defense is better. And they are, yeah, I pitcher think, yeah. Yeah, and, and they have a pitcher uh, in Zach Eflin in 2020, Joe, who is going to have to be better than he was last year. Simply put, doesn't miss bats, but also at this stage, Jake Arietta is a huge question mark going into the season. They're not even sure if he's going to uh, be in their top three starters to start the year. They're talking about him eating the four, the five, or even missing the first start. So we'll have to see where Jake is with that. Uh, Eflin is not a guy, Joe, that misses bats. He can give up a bomb or two. And so he is going to need Hoskins and company to play great defense for him in order to maintain, I think, these numbers for this year.
2: Yeah, I actually think the, the defense of the Phillies has even improved from last year. So obviously very good at catcher. We know that. Uh, in the outfield, the defense is pretty good, especially if you have a healthy McCutcheon. Doesn't have the range he used to. But you see that strikeout to Walker, or at least the strikeout rate of Eflin there. And you realize this is another guy that's not going to be lighting up the radar gun, not going to get 10 strikeouts and then, you know, seven innings. He's not that guy. But can he be a guy that you throw out there? In, in matchup plays? I think the answer is yes. I also think Franco being replaced with Kingry every day at third is a positive. I think Didi Gregorius at shortstop is a positive. Moving Gene Segura over there, who I think doesn't have the, quite, the range he used to, is a positive. So all of those things factored in, you look at this team defensively, and they were pretty good in terms of grade last year. They might be even better, and I think they're going to have to be going forward uh, with this rotation because there are a lot of questions. Arrieta is one of them for sure. uh, And obviously some other questions there. Who knows what kind of Zach Wheeler we're going to get every start.
1: Yeah. Neris also in the ninth inning is is somewhat of a question mark, but there's no doubt that when you have Real Muto behind the plate and you have a guy on first, if you choose to run as we saw in the uh, preseason game the other night, probably not a good idea, which is why a lot of these numbers for the pitchers, had better numbers at the end of the year, strictly because I think of uh, JT. Uh, finally, let's take a look at one more pitcher who could be helped by this, although he does get a ton of swings and misses, Joe, and that is Zach Gallen of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, Gallon's issue is getting deeper into the games, but Joe, uh, Hazen and, and the Diamondbacks organization are very big on advanced metrics and defense, so I don't think that this should come as a surprise to anybody that the Diamondbacks are among the best defensive teams in baseball.
2: Right, and I think that you just kind of hit the nail on the head there. Like, I know you're a big fan of Zach Gow, and I am as well. But I think here, what we're looking for, can he get deeper into games? And I think part of that reasoning, can he get deeper into games, is based upon... Can the defense help him out in a couple spots? And I think the answer is yes. When you look at the Diamondbacks, uh, it's also depending on where they're going to play Catel Marte, which it looks like they're going to be bumping him out to center field. Um, look, Gallon, I think, has all the world of talent. And I think when you look at the other guys in this list outside of Carrasco, he's the only other guy can have that big time strikeout rate. But we want to have him be efficient. We want him to be able to pitch into the sixth inning, I think, or even the seventh. And I think that's where the defense comes in.
1: Yep, it sure does. And uh, we still have a lot to cover. Speaking of the Diamondbacks, when we come back after the break, it's time for us to take a look at their odds of making the postseason in 2020. We'll also have a look at the Minnesota Twins as well. You're watching Fantasy Sports Today live here on Sports Grid. Craig, we're back after this. Don't go away. All right, welcome back, fantasy sports today. Craig and Joe here with you. We got a couple of minutes until our top of the hour break, and then when we come back, we're we'll here from Nelson Cruz of the Minnesota Twins as we do their 2020 odds to make the postseason. We'll also hear from Zach Gallen of the Arizona Diamondbacks. That's part of what we'll do. We'll bring the players here to you and. Give you some of their comments here uh, on the show, but before we get to the top of the hour, uh, Joe, how was your weekend? Was uh, any anything spectacular happening in the P.C. household? Any good barbecue? I didn't see any good pictures from from any grilling. I was very disappointed no. in that. It's a big part About, of my day. It's yeah, your feet. Well,
2: here's the problem. It was uh, 98 degrees this weekend in New Jersey. So uh, to turn the grill on then uh, would be would be a little little bit too much. But we did do a fun little marathon on Sunday, the kids and I. We did Infinity War and Endgame in the same day. It was a lot of Marvel, but it was a good time. Uh, I will say this, though. I did check out some of these games. As you were mentioning, I know you watched more than I did, which is a little crazy. I have an important question to ask you, Craig Nash, because you saw and heard, you know, they were putting in the little cardboard cutouts of people. They were pumping in the crowd noise. If you're in charge of the crowd noise and the home team makes an error, are you going to boo? Like you flip the boo switch on them in a big moment, like to really give it authenticity. Like, what do you do
1: here? No, home team never gets booed.
2: Ah, well, I I live in New York area, and uh, that's pretty much uh, the opposite I feel like I pretty much feel like the home team usually gets booed. So, uh, I I mean, in St. Louis, I can understand that never happens. But uh, I I just find that to be like, if we're going to be authentic and pipe in the crowd noise, I think we've got to hold ourselves to a higher standard now.
1: Uh, Yeah, I I don't think that the the home team is going to voluntarily play booing sounds to (laughs) boo their own team. I'm not sure, but I don't think that's going to happen. By the way, are you aware of what is happening? This has been asked a lot to me. Are you aware of what's happening with all of the foul balls this year?
2: Uh no, I am not. What is happening with the foul balls?
1: Absolutely nothing.
2: <laughs> a, oh, look at him setting me up again. Uh, well done. And the Sir. foul well balls.
1: Done. The foul balls in most stadiums in baseball, for the time being, are staying in the seats and not being touched and just being left there. How about that? That's uh, that's a lot, my friend. Interesting. We'll be back with more sports grid in just two minutes. Go away, Joe. And I are back after this.